Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you run it straight downhill. You know where we're coming. And we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside of The doctor is now in. The beast is alive and well. We got plenty of beasts on this program. They're all over the place. I want to thank Trevor Maddich for joining us last hour. Of course, he'll join us tomorrow with our Best Bets segment at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Tomorrow, also, Maddie Holt, Maddie Ice, who is on fire, still alive in the Circa Survivor Contest. He got there with the Pittsburgh Steelers the other night. Oh, that was a close call, wasn't it? All right, still alive, man. You know, after nine NFL weeks, that's impressive. Because uh, they've been slicing and dicing people away with that. All right, so uh, Matt will join us tomorrow, part of our Best Bet segment as well, too. Looking forward to that. Um, also, uh, Curtis Terry will join us. Does a great job on the UNLV radio network as the color analyst. Curtis has been doing that for the past couple seasons. So we appreciate him, as always. So we start diving into a lot of our basketball uh, brethren, our basketball guests. So uh, he will join us uh, tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan as well, too. So good stuff. David Nori will join us at the Cosmopolitan tomorrow. So look forward to that. All right. More coming your way this hour as we start diving into the NFL. Scott Spritzer will join us. Uh, Scott's been on fire on the college side. 3-0 and in our best bets the last two weeks. So we'll talk some college football with him. Pick up kind of where we left off with Trevor Maddich uh, last hour, and then we uh, dive into the NFL as well, too, as we start handicapping some winners uh, today and tomorrow. So, again, Scott Spritzer joins us here uh, fairly soon. All right, let's get you caught up on some breaking news here, of course. We look at the uh, NFL. Cam Newton is back in the NFL. (laughs) Yes, and where is he going? You can do it. He's going back to Carolina. He's not going back to Cali. He's going back to Carolina, where it all started from Cam, for Cam Newton, huh? Where, obviously, had an MVP season, but then again, he had some troublesome years there as well, too, when Ron Rivera was there. And, you know, we talked about this at the, this point in time when Cam Newton was released by the Patriots. And even when he was released by the Panthers before uh, the Patriots, when Ron Rivera was at Washington, still is at Washington, a lot of people are thinking, well, Cam Newton's going to end up there. I mean, Washington needs a quarterback. They can't just, you know, go with Taylor Heineke, right? Well, Ron Rivera has stuck with Taylor Heineke. And it really basically is not wanted to do have anything to do with Cam Newton at all. What does that tell you about where Ron Rivera thinks about Cam Newton? What does Bill Belichick think? about Cam Newton, especially after saying, hey, we we want Mac Jones. We will take an unproven college kid over a former MVP because they feel that Cam Newton either doesn't have it anymore, whether it's because of injury or 
just just not performing at the at the level that he has in the past or because he's a problem you know with shenanigans outside of the locker room so um cam newton basically has been out of the league for the better part of this season and now he is going to get a chance to go to the Carolina Panthers. And I remember Frank and I were talking about this. And I think he posed the question to me, you know, at the beginning of the season when, when Newton got released by the Patriots and says, do, do you think Cam Newton, you know, is, is going to end up and he's going to play for somebody in, in the NFL? And a lot of people thought it'd be sooner than later. And I remember saying that he could end up, but I think it's a long shot. The only way that he gets hooked up with a team this season is if, a team is decimated by injuries at the quarterback position because he's not going to sign to be a backup. All right, He is only going to want to be a starting quarterback in this league because that's what his ego uh, is saying. So Sam Darnold obviously started off really, really strong with the Carolina Panthers coming over for the Jets. And then Darnold got injured. Darnold kind of hit the wall a little bit. As defenses started to figure out Sam Darnold. And uh, now Darnold is injured again. So the Panthers have a problem. They've got an opening. And what do they do? Going down the list. Makes perfect sense. Let's bring Cam back. So again, totally different system. Just because Cam Newton is coming back with the Carolina Panthers, there's no familiarity there. I mean, Matt Rule is the head coach. This guy was a college coach, you know, Baylor and Temple, came into the NFL, been in the NFL a couple seasons now. You got P.J. Walker there who actually played for Matt Rule when he was at Temple because he was the quarterback at Temple, Walker was. But after seeing him last week, they're saying, no, nah, he's not going to be our guy. So we got to find somebody. We need a veteran. And what do they do? They go back, and the Carolina Panthers organization reaches out to one of their own, Cam Newton. But it's going to take him some time to learn this offense because this is totally different than what he ran under Ron Rivera. So we'll see what happens there with Cam Newton. Uh, the Panthers are giving Newton a one-year deal worth up to $10 million for the rest of the season. Think about that. $10 million? At this point in time, you basically have seven games left. All right, $10 million for the rest of this year includes a $4.5 million fully guaranteed uh, contract and a $1.5 million roster bonus. Cam Newton with the Carolina Panthers. So that becomes official. All right, uh, yesterday we talked about the Dalvin Cook situation. Uh, More information, just like the Henry Ruggs situation, will continue to come out you know, probably daily here. But as it sits right now, Dalvin Cook is questionable whether he's going to play on Sunday for the Vikings. And the Vikings desperately need him uh, because when Cook was out due to injury, Vikings, you know, lost several games, couldn't run the football. Madison's a nice back, you know, from BYU. Been in the league a couple of years now, but, but can't do what Dalvin Cook can do. But who knows where Dalvin Cook's mindset is. I mean, we played the audio yesterday. And, the, and just, just hearing that and then seeing him yesterday, uh, he's visibly shaken about uh, the accusations here that uh, he has committed uh, domestic uh, abuse you know, 
crime here, but he would be able to play here. He's probably not he's not going to face a suspension from the NFL because this is a civil matter. He is claiming that he is the victim here. And uh, his girlfriend who is an army sergeant, uh they apparently had a a big dispute and uh we saw video and we saw pictures of her face uh really mangled up pretty badly. I mean, she was cut, eyes were bloodied, she had bruises on her face. And Dalvin Cook looks like he didn't have any scratches there. But Dalvin Cook turned it around at the press conference yesterday and said, I'm the victim here. He goes, she's the one that attacked me. So you have two stories here that are polar opposites. And this is one of those cases where who knows what the truth is. We have no idea. I mean, his side is saying that that Dalvin Cook is the victim. And then, you know, their side is saying, no, look at my client's face. I mean, Dalvin Cook beat her down. Dalvin Cook turned that around, too, and said that she broke into his house and tried to extort millions of dollars. So if we're going to play what we think may have happened, I hate to do this, but when you have two cases where none of the facts line up whatsoever or none of the accusations, even they're, like I said, 180 degrees apart here, the only thing that we could probably put together here is These two were both volatile. Argument ensued. Punches were thrown. Fists were thrown. Open hand, who knows what, by both parties. Because if Cook is saying that he's the victim, I think maybe what he means, that he's the victim because maybe she tried to extort some money from him. Maybe he's a victim for that. But did she actually throw down on him? We're not seeing any visible evidence of that. Uh, I'm sure she probably can take care of herself, uh, you know, being in the army, an ar- army sergeant. But the photos that we saw of her, did Dalvin Cook do that? Somebody else do that? Is this a hoax? I mean, we have no idea. But uh, the Vikings are now the NFL taking this very, very seriously, and they're going to try to get to the bottom of this to to see exactly what happened here. But, uh, yeah, both sides... Um, you know, had a battle, and uh, we don't know exactly what happened, so we'll continue to monitor that. All right, so that's uh, the latest uh, OBJ news. Odell Beckham Jr. As of yesterday, he narrowed his teams that he would like to choose to play for to the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Um, and now we find out today one of those teams that he did not mention were the Rams. And we are getting word that Odell Beckham Jr. has signed with the Rams. Now, this is kind of interesting because the Raiders signed Deshaun Jackson yesterday. Actually, Monday, they made it official. And he had his first workout with the Raiders, his first practice Wednesday. And Deshaun Jackson is now a member of the Raiders. We heard Mike Mayock talk about that, you know, a couple of days ago when he had the press conference when, you know, talking uh, about, you know, releasing Damon Arnett. He also mentioned that, yes, uh, Deshaun Jackson signed his contract on Monday. And he's a member of the Raiders. Deshaun Jackson spent the majority of this season with the Rams, but the Rams released him. And the reason we heard that the Rams released him because they just had too crowded the wide receiving core. Well, if this receiving core was so crowded, why would you not keep Deshaun Jackson? 
And it's funny because the Raiders had talked about, or a lot of fans talked about, hey, you got Odell Beckham Jr., you got Deshaun Jackson, you're going to go get one of these guys. And where the Raiders tried to play a little coy and say, you know, we're not going to make any moves just quite yet. So last week, I think they were hoping that Zay Jones, you know, who's the youngster that's on their roster, could fill in for Henry Ruggs. And Zay Jones has shown promise, and he's shown some signs that he could play at a very high level. He could be an NFL starter. But last week was his big test, and I believe he had, what, one catch and four targets last week against the Giants. You know, and uh, that, that's all they had. But so after that, they're probably saying, okay, Zay Jones isn't our guy. We're going to need a veteran to come in here. And there was talk that the Raiders could look at Beckham or Jackson. They decided on Jackson. And uh, there you have it. So Deshaun Jackson is learning the offense. He openly said yesterday that he goes, this is a deep playbook. Uh, Derek Carr is helping me. I've been diving into the playbook as much as I can the last couple days. But it's going to, at least the one thing with Deshaun Jackson, he's in game shape. He still has very good speed. I mean, he, he had a couple touchdowns already this season, had a great break, a couple breakaways uh, with the Rams, but the Rams opted to not sign him. And so when they said, we're releasing Deshaun Jackson, they didn't really replace him at all because they, the reason they gave him was, okay, our. You know, we got too many wide receivers as it is. There's no room for you to play here. Now Beckham becomes available. Boom. And they sign him. And they sign him today to a one-year deal. And it's finalized. Uh, the Rams uh, are, are loaded up after Odell makes it an incredibly uh, difficult decision in, in his mind. So we'll see. But why would you get rid of Deshaun Jackson saying that you're full, but you come and you sign Odell Beckham. Do you really believe that Beckham is better than Jackson? I'm not sure that. You know, and really, if I have a choice, if I got to choose one guy over the other, I'm probably going to choose Deshaun Jackson because he's got the better body of work. He's got more experience. Sure, he's a little bit older, but for the most part, Deshaun Jackson's got some fresh legs. He has been he hasn't been beaten up this year at all. He's fresh and. He's got better stats than Beckham so far this season. Now, they both could be head cases. But if I have a choice, I I think there's going to be less drama with Deshaun Jackson. So kudos for the Raiders for filling that spot with the release of Henry Ruggs. Zay Jones, they want to build with this guy. You know, he's going to get a majority of snaps again this week against Kansas City. Uh, Deshaun Jackson will probably play, but how many snaps is going to be limited? Because just in the conversations yesterday at Raiders facility, they said that they're going to give him uh, you know, a couple packages. And when you hear that, that means he could maybe be on the field anywhere for maybe five to eight snaps maybe. That's it. Because you're going to be limited what you could do. And then, of course, score is going to dictate what the Raiders are going to do package-wise as well too. So Deshaun Jackson, member of the Raiders. Odell Beckham Jr., a member of the Rams today. So uh, there's your news. As far as Aaron Rodgers goes, uh, still in COVID protocol. He has to test negative again today and tomorrow. And if he does, the next two days continue with negative tests. They could reinstate him on Saturday, and then he could be available to play on Sunday. So let's just say that Aaron Rodgers does pass those tests. 
his negative COVID tests. Do the Packers start him or they go back with Jordan Love? No-brainer, right? Of course, they're going to go with Aaron Rodgers, no matter if he's missed practice all week and Love has been taking the snaps uh, with the first team. No problem. Aaron Rodgers will be ready to play for the Packers this weekend. So we'll, uh, we'll go with that. All right. Um, let's talk about UNLV last night. All right. The uh, Rebels playing Gardner-Webb, and it was Kevin Kruger's debut last night. And uh, like I said on the show yesterday and when we talked to Kevin Kruger a couple days ago, I just get the feeling that there is a sense of optimism with the Runner Rebels program, with fans. Granted, when you have five years of basic futility that's not going well, you've gone through basically three coaches during that time. And actually, you can even say, you know, four coaches, because after Dave Rice left, you know, you go ahead and you try to make an interim hire. You know, you have Todd Simon here. And then... You know, you go through the Chris Beard you know, fiasco and scenario. Then you, he leaves after four weeks. And then you go with Marvin Menzies for a few years. And then it's TJ Otzelberger. It's been dormant. And fans still think that this UNLV program should be relevant. And it hasn't been. But it's really hard to get behind the program when you're hiring coaches that really don't have a stocked resume. You know, Marvin Menzies really didn't have that. He was assistant to Rick Pitino. His, you know, best success was going to the tournament in New Mexico State, but then when they go to the tournament, they get obliterated, they get blasted, and, you know, playing in, out of the WAC conference. So Marvin could recruit. There's no doubt. There are questions about X's and O's. Great guy. Love Marvin Menzies. Wish it would have worked out for him. Then they go T.J. Otzelberger, comes out of South Dakota State, and, again, someone out of the – the Summit Conference, questionable hire there. And you could just see that the talent was not there. He wasn't a big recruiter. He was basically using Menzies guys, didn't like Menzies guys, tried to bring in his own guys, and he basically wanted to bring in shooters around the perimeter. And that didn't work. And he got off the hook here at UNLV and got his dream job because it opened at Iowa State. If there was any other job in the country that was going to hire him, it would only be... Iowa State, because he had ties there, met his wife there, uh, assistant there. So made sense for him to go. So that left the opening, and he hired Kevin Kruger as an assistant. But Kevin Kruger is one of UNLV's own. Okay, Kevin Plater, even though it was only for a year, he was a point guard on the team that went to the Sweet 16 under his dad, Lon Kruger, who was a beloved coach. And you can make the argument, you can say Dave Rice, you know, had some great years here, and he did because he led UNLV, you know, to the tournament. The last time UNLV, you know, went to the tournament, and but prior to that, for being going to the tournament on a regular basis, it was Lon Kruger as they went to the NCAA tournament four times. So there is that connection. Always has been a connection with Lon Kruger, even though you know he, he came here. From, from somewhere else. He, he was at Florida. He was at Illinois. And then he left UNLV for the big paycheck to go to Oklahoma. Kevin was an assistant you know, there for law, and then he came back as assistant or T.J. Altsaberger. But you know, fans welcomed Kevin Kruger. I mean, Kevin Kruger probably got more, you know, I guess want to say, open, you know, welcoming, open arms by fans 
when he was announced as an assistant to T.J. Altsberger, probably more so than Marvin Menzies or T.J. Altsberger when they got the head coaching job here. So when Kevin Kruger got the job this past spring, there's a lot of people saying, this is cool. And here's the thing. There's, this program can't get any worse from where it is right now. So anytime a new coach takes over, especially with the transfer portal the way it is right now, it's going to take some time to build. Luckily, he got Bryce Hamilton to come back. Marvin Coleman was a, a, a nice player to come back, but I mean, he's not a great player. But you only have three returning players. But luckily, they got Bryce Hamilton, who tried to, to test the waters of the NBA. Uh, good thing he came back because he, he probably wouldn't have got drafted and you know would end up in, in the G League. So Bryce Hamilton says, I'm going to come back and play for Kevin Kruger. Well, that's great. So there's a little bit of foundation. And Kruger's brought in some decent guys. So last night, it was like, what are we going to see? All right? Pretty good crowd on hand at the Thomas and Mac last night for the season opener. First time really all the fans can come back. Have to be, have to be vaccinated to, to watch the game last night. And they were there. And it was Gardner-Webb. Not a great program, but a program that is competitive in its conference in the Big South. They're picked to finish third. And they played some teams tough over the last couple seasons. UNLV won the game 64-58. to It was Kevin Kruger's coaching debut. You could see he was nervous. You could see he was a little bit awkward. He was subbing in like four guys at a time. He admitted after the game last night at the press conference that he was much more nervous being a head coach for the first time in comparison to playing here at UNLV. And uh, he's going to learn as he goes. Bryce Hamilton didn't have a great shooting night at all. But still, Hamilton had 22 points last night. Royce Ham, one of those transfers we talked about, probably definitely the best player on the floor last night was Royce Ham. 18 points, 17 rebounds, and UNLV fans are going to love Royce Ham because he give, he's that big body type of guy, you know, about six 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 seven that is going to bang. He's going to dive on the floor for loose balls. He can convert down low and he can clean up the glass. 18 points, 17 rebounds, and this guy is a hard worker. You can see that. Kevin Kruger uh, and and uh, also Bryce Hamilton talked about it last night. This guy is a workaholic. UNLV, it was sloppy last night, but they shot 30%. That's it. Dismal. And from three, way too many threes last night, they put up 25 three-pointers from beyond the arc, only connected on two of them. Do the math. That's 8%. So it was an ugly... Offensive performance, but the bottom line is, in Kevin Kruger's debut last night, they got the W, and UNLV comes away with a six-point win last night. They were favored by nine and a half. They won by six, but they did get a W, and this team will get better. Now, they play a Cal team on Saturday, so go out there, 5 o'clock is tip-off at the Thomas and Mack Center, and hopefully more and more people do buy into the program, and you have to give Kevin Kruger a shot here. He's a guy that is never going to be short with the media. He is going to be you know, bright-eyed. He's going to be positive. Uh, Lon Kruger was there last night, got a chance to talk to Lon after the game as well last night, as well as Kevin, and you know, offer congratulations because it was great to see these guys back here. And you know, Lon is... You know, kind of standing in, in the shadows. But like when Kevin talked about in the interview with us a, a couple of days ago, he said, yeah, he talks to his dad about it. There's no question about it. But this will take time. So UNLV fans need to be patient. But they've got some pretty good pieces on this roster right now. And they play a pretty tough schedule, you know, coming up here. 
You got UCLA. You got Michigan. You got Cal. Uh, Cal is a little bit down. So UNLV will have a good shot to be 2-0. and Hopefully they can get a victory uh, on Saturday. But uh, Kevin Kruger, congratulations to the Rebels. And I'm excited, as you could tell. And I think a lot of people here are excited. Give this program another shot, especially when you got one of your own that's leading them. So good hire for Kevin Kruger uh, by Desiree Reed Francois before she departed. And uh, a much better hire this time around than, than the last uh, hire, or probably the last couple hires. So rooting for Kevin Kruger and the Rebels. All right, we come back. We've got Scott Spritzer. He's going to join us, and we start handicapping week number 10 of the NFL. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King, and I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. You know, it's a little mellow to come back. It's going to kick in here. I understand that, but that's where you got to hit it right there, you know? Boom! Rolling Stones in concert last week at Allegiant Stadium, huh? You know, you know, my guy, Scott Spritzer, is a big Stones guy. And I was thinking, was Scott Spritzer in attendance at the Stones? And we'll ask that question now. As he joins us, before we talk a little football, we talk some Stones. What's up, Scott? Hey, TC. I had to miss the show last week, man. It was, it was a bummer. No I bet it was killing it. you, too, because I know how much you like the Stones and you love going to these concerts. Oh, I, I go to a ton of concerts, as you know, of like all genres of music and a Stones fan of that. And, you know, I was just, uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm just awed by Mick Jagger being almost 80 years old and getting around the stage better than I can at my age, 30 years younger. You know, so it's a situation of, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be there. They had a great opening act, uh, this young group in their early 20s, maybe late teens out of Italy, uh, who I wanted to see also, who are fantastic. They're giving me hope, TC, that my daughters and your daughter's generation are actually going to have some good music from people who actually play instruments that are coming up nowadays with this group out of Italy. But, yeah, man, I'm a big Stones fan. Yeah, I just wanted to see Ruby Tuesday, all the classics, all the good stuff, but I had to miss it. Yeah. So did you get a chance to see any video or did you talk to anybody that went? I mean, seriously, how did Jagger look and sound and, and, and move for that matter? You know, I've been catching a couple of the YouTube live videos when people are, you know, in the arenas that they're playing in or the stadiums they're in, and they're posting it live on YouTube. And he's moving just fine. The sound, you know, gets a little bit off, a little off-key once in a while. Backup band is pretty good. They've been together for a while. Got a great backup group as far as the uh, backup singers are concerned. Uh, Every once in a while, you can tell they're pushing 80. But, uh, (laughs) you know, again, I talked to a couple of people that did go there last week, and they said it's the Stones. They could have been off-key 70% of the time, and I still would have loved it. That was the comment. So, listen, Mick still sounds like Mick. He still moves. Maybe not what he was doing, you know, 25 years ago. But to see the guy get around the stage and he's jumping up and down, pogoing at times on stage, is just something to see. So, you know, more power to him and more power to the people that got to go see him last week. It's, it's an experience to see a band like the Stones or, you know, whether you – or a fan or not, a, a, you know, a guy like Bruce Springsteen, he's around 70 now. I've seen him three times. I mean, it's just such a pleasure to see these kind of bands when they come to town and you know all the tunes, and, and uh, it just brings back a lot of good memories. So anyway, the people that I saw that went to answer your question, they just said a great show. That's all they could say, great show. It's the Stones. And here's the deal, Scott. If you look at the, the, the pictures and everything, how do all these guys get to keep their hair? 
If they're 80, I mean, are they wigs or plug? What's going on? They're, they all got long hair still. What's the deal? Well, that's it's the looking problem, good. Bad. What Get the up, heck? See, if you and I had our hair from 25 years ago, we'd probably look like we were 35. I know, right? You know? And I said to my wife, I go, the thing that bothers me, the only thing that bothers me about the stones is you got three guys with more head, hair on their head than I had when I was 40, let alone 50. And so these guys are pushing 80, and they're running around with full heads of hair. Mick Jagger looks like he's got the same amount of hair as he did 50 years ago. I know. It's killing me. (laughs) It's killing me. And here's the thing, too. Think about what we're saying here, Scott. I mean, and you said it a couple times. I'm just, like, like banging my head against the wall here. Can you imagine? Let's go back 20, 30 years ago or whatever, and, you know, we're looking at groups, say, when we were kids or in our 20s or 30s or whatever, that were iconic at the time. Could you imagine thinking, hey, we're going to go see these guys play in their 80 years old? No one was performing 20 years ago in their 80s. I mean, the only thing I could even come close to is like like maybe Engelbert Humperdinck, but we don't want to see that. Or Don Rickles doing his stand-up, which he did until you know into his 80s or whatever. But as far as musical like rock and roll icons or groups or whatever... I mean, you know, maybe Chuck Berry. I saw Chuck Berry maybe at an advanced age, but not at 80. You know, I saw Chuck no. Berry like in his 60s. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's it, it's crazy to think. Listen to what we're talking about. Going to see someone and people paying top dollar for someone in their 80s. TC, the tickets down front around the stage were going for 1500 bucks. <laughs> you know, I know I on know. game day, so to speak, the day of the concert, you could have got, you know, pretty far from the stage and up in the uh, seats up in the stands a little bit, a balcony or two. You could have got them for about 45 50 bucks at that point. They were selling for a couple hundred bucks, you know, earlier uh, in the fall. But, yeah, by the time, uh, you know, you got down front, you had paid anywhere from 1000 to 1500 bucks to be down there by the stage. And, and, again, for, you know, three guys who are basically 75 to 80 years old. But, my gosh, you know, it's funny because I, I was – Talking to my sister, posted something about Mick. He was down on Fremont Street. Somebody took his picture. Uh, I think it was the day before the concert, and I put it up on Facebook. And my sister, who, by the way, is pushing 70, uh, she'll be glad that I don't mention her name. Uh, she, uh, she actually said, oh, you know, I'm not a real big fan. I'm a Beatles fan. And I'm like, come on, man. Didn't they break up about 55 years ago? Yeah, right. This man's been around since the 60s. It's just it's amazing stuff. It is. Well, uh, I'm excited. Uh, they're not nearly as old as the Stones, but they're as iconic. Earth, Wind & Fire has got their residency here in Vegas, and I'm looking forward to going to see them here in the next couple weeks. So there you go, Scott. Uh, they're not quite as old, but uh, they're still, they still got their core guys together with Philip Bailey and Verdine White and, 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 uh, and Ralph. Uh, yeah, so... There you go. Hey, I've seen I've seen P Funk All Stars a couple of times in the last twenty years, and they're still getting it done. That's right. You know, it's sounding great, and especially when you see them in small joints. You know, yeah. and, like the Brooklyn Bowl, places like that. Yeah. Um, my next arena concert, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I got the tickets, and that's old enough for me for now. Wow. Late fifties or so, but I'll be there. <laughs> Nemchuk <laughs> is just cursing you out right now. He is so jealous right now. So there you go. <laughs> Can All I right. tell you a quick story, real yeah. quick? Of course. This is about, I don't know, whatever they went on sale, let's say a month ago or whatever. And my daughter knows I'm a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. I saw them here in Vegas at a club that I believe it was called Paradise Alley 30-plus years ago. I'm her, yeah, I remember Paradise Alley, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I held yeah. like 200 people yeah. at that, I mean, at the most. Yeah. And so, and of course, they had a different guitarist, the whole thing at the time. But uh, my daughter knows very well that I'm a Chili Peppers fan. She's become one. She likes a lot of that you know, old music, as, as she calls it. And so I get this text 
at about 10 o'clock in the morning on a school day. She's a senior in high school. And she sends me a picture of the actual uh, photo of buying the picket, uh, pick, uh, tickets. And she goes, Dad, look, I bought us chili pepper tickets for next August. And I'm like, that's my girl right there, <laughs> 17 years old. And, you know, she's in math class and she's buying chili pepper tickets. You got to like that. You, you got to like that. I mean, most parents would scoff at that or be mad at that. Or, or you know, uh, the parents would ground the kid for that. But Scott said, that's my girl. And I'm with that's you all the way. That's my girl. A plus for the day. I remember, <laughs> I remember seeing that post. I love that post. That's good stuff, man. You got to love it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Both of our daughters, they they appreciate, uh, I don't want to call it the old school or whatever it is, the classic rock and stuff. Hey, great stuff man absolutely all right uh we got to give you kudos my man three and oh in our best bets last week on the college side three and oh the week before you're on fire my friend on the college well i don't want to say too much because we got to keep it going for a few more weeks maybe about a month or so so (laughs) we'll just keep working at it last year uh, last week we had another nice week in college football and you know we've been on a real nice run over at doc sports 66 and 42 college and pro combined but you know what? About the last five or six years, TC, the NFL has been my, my bread and butter, so to speak. That's been my best league, best sport of all sports has right. been the NFL. Last couple of weeks have been a struggle. I know I went 2-1 and one in the contest of the NFL last week. But overall, you know, I needed the Chicago Bears just to come out even as far as record-wise. Lost a little bit of the VIG last week. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit tougher this year in the NFL uh, the books were really happy last week. I know uh, I'm usually on NFL underdogs, and I didn't grab all the right ones last week, but they had another big day behind the counter at the books. Yeah, 10 dogs covered, okay? Yeah, three favorites, 10 dogs, uh, amazing run uh, by the books, and, we, and we've seen, or rather, uh, by the underdogs, and we've seen this uh, recently with underdogs uh, cashing in, and I believe it was seven outright winners as well, too. So Yeah, they were, and they've been red hot the last couple of weeks. The, yeah. only, the game that got me in a little bit of trouble that kept it from being a winning NFL week for me uh, were the Rams on Sunday night, and I hate favorites, although they were at home. I hate road favorites more than anything in primetime football. Right. It's like, you know, the public thing is to bet those road favorites in primetime football. Uh, the good thing was is even though they held Tennessee to less than 200 yards, we did have to sweat it out after Stafford had his meltdown at about a two-minute <laughs> period, giving up 14 points in about a 30-second period uh, in that game, and it was it was over from that point on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was happy camper hitting uh, hitting three of those dogs last week and and uh, winning outright with the the Titans, the Falcons, and uh, the Giants. And uh, the Giants, as we know, beat the Raiders. So let's move over. Well, you know the thing was TC. Yeah, I had the Rams teased down to one and a half, and I needed needed oh, wow. them for the second half of, of a six point teaser. So I yeah. didn't trust them to cover seven, seven and a half. Right. But I thought they could at least win outright. But you could see Stafford wasn't even there. I mean, yep. he just got his butt kicked from start to finish in that game. And it's funny, I, I went with that same mode of operation on Monday night. I, I went Steelers down to to that, you know, basically, uh, you know, min, minus uh, the one. Uh, so I, I got there, but I had to sweat bullets with that. And our good friend Matt Holt, who is still alive in the circus survivor, that was his pick uh, this week was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you think think Matt and I, we were, we were texting each other. We were like uh, sweating bullets. We had thought we had that game Monday night in hand all the way, and then holy moly, we're sweating the, the last two uh, possessions. Uh, thank you, Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger, for, for being Ben Roethlisberger uh, like we've seen the last couple seasons. Jeez. How about thank you for the hip check from the referee who then yes! threw a flag on the thank Bears you. defensive player. There it you is. Know, I mean, my gosh. And all Bears fans are still <laughs> complaining about that. 
They should be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, man. Raiders Chiefs this week. Scott, I'm looking at this game and I'm seeing value, believe it or not. And you usually cannot say that word value with the Kansas City Chiefs, but at only two and a half. With the Chiefs' offense, and I know it's shaky, and I know they didn't really impress last week, but I'm just seeing the Chiefs' offense against that Raiders' suspect secondary as being some value It laying only two and a half here. Uh, give me some thoughts on this game. You know, these teams are playing a, a four-man cover shell against good offenses, and teams have done that to KC, and they haven't figured it out. I mean, they're 3-16 and 16 against the spread, you know, as the current slide. And they didn't cover last week, for instance, against, you know, Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. Did all their scoring, a whopping 13 points in the first half, and that was that. If the Raiders are able to copy what everybody else has done to Kansas City since last year's Super Bowl, which we thought was an offensive line issue, and that might be part of it with all these new guys up front, the bottom line is, is Hill can't get open more than eight yards downfield coming across the middle. Uh, Kelsey is being doubled at times in important situations, and the ball is usually behind him when Mahomes throws it. And so if the Raiders can copy what other defenses did, and again, that's a big question mark, then they've got a shot to be able to up in Kansas City on Monday night here in town. Uh, I have not jumped into this game yet. It's, tough. it's a tough call. I mean, you've got so many people right now, TC, that are jumping off the Kansas City bandwagon that it feels like the right spot to jump in. Right. Uh, when yeah. I watch Patrick Mahomes, though, it's a guy who's really pressing. I mean, frustrated. He's pressing. Uh, he's missing passes left and right. Even some of the passes that were caught against Green Bay were behind the intended receivers, and they were making good catches. Uh, so we'll see if Las Vegas can do it. But it does feel like that point where you want to jump in on KC with the way everybody's abandoning them now. Uh, as far as Vegas is concerned, you know, Derek Carr comes out and says, that was my fault last week. It's exactly right. It was his fault. We'll see if he can make it up. And as of right now, I've not jumped in on this game, leaning towards uh, the Chiefs, also TC, but uh, I might end up passing this one. Yeah, I understand that. And again, like I said, it just feels, and I understand the Chiefs are, are still a mess, and I totally get that. And a lot of people think, well, you know, this time of year, this is when the Chiefs, you know, you know, turn up a notch and start getting ready for the playoffs. But for me, this is more of a matchup situation. If there's a time for Patrick Mahomes to get right, it's against this Raiders defense. And uh, again, you know, we've seen the Raiders against uh, lesser quarterbacks and lesser weapons, uh, you know, give up tons of yardage and scores here. And I think, you know, with Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and those weapons that they have, I just think it's a good spot. Could be wrong, but to me, as we know, Scott, the Kansas State Chiefs are always either a double-digit favorite or a more than one score favorite, right. you know, like seven and a half last week. So for me, that's why I use the term value that I feel because you're, you're getting them at only minus two and a half against a suspect Raiders defense. That's where I, I, I deem value. Oh. So we'll give it a shot. We'll see what I happens. I think it's a great argument. And I did want to point out real quickly, I mentioned Tyreek Hill not getting open beyond seven or eight, ten yards downfield coming across the middle. As I was saying that, and as you were you know, finishing up your thoughts on Kansas City, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, there were two times I remember against Green Bay when he was wide open more than 25 yards yes. downfield, and Mahomes just missed him. Right. So eventually they'll get that back together maybe this week. Speaking of the Packers, they're going to host Seattle. Uh, these two teams have had some great games against each other. Uh, but obviously it's uh, it's a little bit different Seattle team this year. Of course, Russell Wilson's been injured. He's getting ready to come back. Rodgers more than likely will be back. He will play. Uh, give me some thoughts on the Packers. 
Yeah, you know, Rodgers isn't practicing this week, but as you mentioned, he's expected to be back on Saturday, which means he gets to do walkthroughs, you know, get the arm going again, throwing the football around a little bit, and then be able to take the field of this one. Uh, I've not jumped. I'll give you a play pretty soon if you want one that I'm actually involved in. I'm sure. not involved in this one yet. It's three, three and a half uh, Green Bay Lane. That I'm probably going to pass this one also. Uh, but I do believe that if he's able to come back and play this week, Aaron Rodgers, I'd rather have his side than Seattle because I like what Green Bay is doing defensively for the most part this year, including last week against KC. And when you get Aaron Rodgers back, all of a sudden the defense has to play an honest brand of football. You can't cheat up. You cannot cheat up with a linebacker or a safety to help out against the, the run uh, like what happened to Jordan Love last week. So it's a lean right now towards Green Bay TC, but I, I can almost – Promise you I won't be on that game. Yeah, Packers at three and a half uh, right now. All right, Scott, uh, give us who you do like. Well, let's go to the NFL, and one of the plays that I'm on this week is going to be the New Orleans Saints getting the field goal over Tennessee. And we just mentioned how Tennessee's defense took apart a very flat Rams offense, including a very error-prone Matthew Stafford, error-prone in that game. Uh, It's important to note they gained only two or less than 200 yards, Tennessee's offense. They gained 3.6 yards per play, not rushing, but per play. Uh, Adrian Peterson is the old man, the old Rolling Stone filling in for Derrick Henry. 26 yards is all he gained in that contest. And I've been impressed uh, with Trevor Simeon so far in his first two starts with the Saints and that he's taking care of the football. And when you have a backup who has experience, who can come in and start for you when your top QB is out, and it's a backup who values possessions, that's obviously a good thing for the New Orleans Saints. They're number one in the league in yards rushing allowed, talking about New Orleans, which is a key, obviously, when facing the Titans. They're, not, uh, they're top five in points per game allowed. And I look at Tennessee. They've covered five of the last 14 as chalk. That's it, going back to the start of last year. But they've won four in a row outright as an underdog and are now favored after winning four in a row outright as an underdog. Hasn't happened a lot over the years, but that's a very bad spot for NFL teams coming off of winning four in a row as an underdog and then being put as a chalk, as a favorite. So I went ahead and grabbed the field goal there with New Orleans, TC. All right. I can see that. I can see that. All right. Good stuff. Scott Spricer joins us. Doc Sports. Uh, Scott's plays up at DocSports.com. Uh, Subscribe there. Uh, fantastic. Like you said, uh, all the cappers over at Docs are fantastic. Having themselves a great year. I believe it was, what, 64 and 42? 66 and 42? Those numbers, Scott? 66 and 42. Woo! goes back to uh, late postseason last year yeah. in the uh, college and pro football playoffs and then into the regular season this year. All right. Let's talk a little bit of some college football here. And we got a game tonight that's piquing my interest a little bit here. Carolina and Pittsburgh. And... Pittsburgh is a team that the public has really fallen in love with, and Pickett's a pretty good quarterback. And I'm still not seeing the the love that a lot of people think, uh, you know, with this guy because I remember him from the last couple seasons. How do you cap in this game tonight, Scott? Yeah, I laid the six and a half here with the Panthers. Most books still around six and a half. Couple of sevens out there, so if folks are looking to grab the underdog here. You can shop and find seven. Uh, you know, North Carolina, as you mentioned, defense not good. They did knock off Wake Forest, huge fourth quarter. Uh, but it's not like this defense is getting the job done, and they didn't last week. They've given up 44 points per game over the past four games. They've given up 35 points or more in all four of those games. And then what I liked out of Pitt, they lost a couple of weeks ago, and then they, that was to Miami, but they rebounded nicely last week. I know Duke's nothing to write home about, but they beat them 54-29. to 29. And their metrics, talking about like yards per play differential, yards per game, stuff like that, 
are some of the best in the country in college football talking about Pitt. And I'm betting that that offense is going to be too much for North Carolina's leaky defense, if you will. I, I laid the points, the six and a half with Pitt. Okay, good stuff. Uh, give me some other college games that uh, pique in your interest a little bit here. Okay, let's stick with that team that North Carolina played last week, which is Wake Forest. That game's at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 yard time on Saturday night. And uh, listen, the joint was going to be jumping in what would have been a crazy atmosphere in Winston-Salem this week. They'll still support them well, but not quite at the level it would have been if they were undefeated in this game. But that bubble burst, man, on the Demon Deacons. Their defense has been a mess. It finally came to a head against North Carolina. They simply ran out of gas on both sides of the football in that final quarter. Their defense, Wake, is giving, uh, giving up over 450 yards per game. They're equally bad against both the run and the pass. At NC State's top 25 in yards per game margin, the offense should have, I think, little trouble against this weak defense. And I like NC State. They're getting a couple of points. I think they win the game, obviously, if you're only getting a couple of points. Got to believe they're going to win the game outright. And I think they're catching Wake at the perfect time coming off that bubble-bursting loss. Yeah, and you know their quarterback, you know Hartman is is usually nails, but we he was a little susceptible, you know, especially in the fourth quarter of that game against a North Carolina defense that is known for giving it up. And like you said, NC State they have a rock solid defense. Even though Wake is at, is at home here, I, I can see you know you siding with NC State here. I can see that. Yeah, I had to do it. Also, I, I love those bubble burst games when a when a team gets to six and zero or better and they're you know, generally a Power 5 team, or even a team like a Cincinnati who's still you know, undefeated, but a team like that, if they're in the mix in the top 10, if in their minds they feel they've got a legitimate shot at winning out and getting to a playoff invite, if those teams lose after starting 6-0, and I mean, they have been dreadful the next time out. And uh, we kind of saw that with the Iowa Hawkeyes, even though they had a bye week in between after losing to Purdue. And, uh, again, we've got a couple of opportunities this week where that falls into place. You've got the anti-Wake Forest play, uh, potentially an anti-Michigan State play, bubble burst theory, although with the Spartans, if they could beat Ohio State and beat Penn State and get by Maryland this week, uh, then they can maybe get themselves back in the mix. So for Michigan State, it wasn't as bad of a loss, if you will, as it was for Wake Forest. All right, I know that I'm talking to a UNLV season ticket holder here. And uh, you're going to be there, Scott, <laughs> 1 o'clock, uh, Hawaii coming to town? I'm going to try to be there. i got to place a little get-together that I've got to be with some out-of-town folks later that day. But I'm really going to try to get there in this one. And listen, I, I don't have any action on this game, but I cannot pronounce UNLV at the ticket window. I just can't <laughs> do it this week. And, and listen, I had Hawaii last week. We squeaked out a half a point against the spread win when they lost to San Diego State 17-10. to And I'm watching Hawaii in that game, and halfway through the second quarter, I'm texting back and forth with another better, and I'm going, I'm done, I'm done. Hawaii can't stop this you know, offense. And San Diego State certainly wasn't flat the first half of that game. But in this particular game, I mean, UNLV comes off the first win, finally under Arroyo. You know, it was in a good spot. They're playing against a bad New Mexico team. Now, we, you always worry about Hawaii, and they're traveling back and forth to the mainland and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but their, you know, like yards per play is so much better than the Rebels. I just don't think UNLV is going to be able to pull off the upset. Yeah, we're used to both of these teams having horrible defenses. And, you know, Hawaii 
is giving up what 453 yards per game, and right. that defense is just uh, it's it's bad. And then usually Hawaii is pretty prolific offensively, but really not seeing that this year. That's why this this is interesting. Hawaii is a three and a half point road choice at Allegiant Stadium against UNLV. Obviously, UNLV is feeling that it has a little bit of momentum, getting that that victory last week against New Mexico to finally uh, get a W. I know there's a lot of people interested in this game that bet over tickets, Scott, because remember the to- the season win total on UNLV was one and a half. This could yep. be it. This is probably yep. their last shot, right? They have a shot. Cordero, I thought, was going to be better when he came back. If you would have told me to be candid, Hawaii's going to score 10 points against San Diego State while getting seven and a half, I would have said I've lost the game. Right. You know, I'm not going to, you know. So anyway, you're right. Hawaii's defense isn't that good. Uh, here's the interesting point. I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Hawaii UNLV games here in Vegas at least three or four times over the last 20 years. They always outnumber UNLV as far as fan support is concerned. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if they travel. You know, plus you've got a lot of Hawaiians here already. We are the ninth island after all, right? So it'll be interesting to see if Hawaii has a, uh, a, a bit of a pseudo home field advantage with the fans of this game. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, so we're going to do the double dip, the double header, the UNLV double header on Saturday at 1 o'clock. They're playing Hawaii at Allegiant Stadium. Then basketball, you know, the Rebels, we talked about it last segment. They got their victory last night for Kevin Kruger, and they play a Cal team coming up, and that game is at uh, 5 o'clock. So uh, UNLV fans, uh, there you go. You got, you got football at 1 and basketball at 5. And I'll name drop real quick. Or I'm not, not where I'm going to be. But I got a buddy in town who he, he appears on like Fox News, CNN, all that kind of stuff. He's a financial guru. And I've been with these guys before, but his close friends are like Slash's drummer, Gene Simmons' drummer when he's away from Kiss, the drummer for Kiss, things of that nature. So I think I'll be involved in that a little bit more than I will the UNLV basketball game. And, and I'm rooting for Kevin Kruger all the way, no doubt about it. If it's not Cornell Gunther in the coasters, there it is. It's, it's Slash and his crew. That's Scott Spicer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that, that, that's what he does. You know, Call me some, the name dropper. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, my friend. All right. Uh, anything else before we let you go, man? Anything else uh, that you want to talk Real quick, uh, tonight uh, we got the, the Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they're getting, what, seven, seven and a half at home um, against the Ravens. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, TC, just in the last hour or so, I know you've been on the air, but that shot all the way up to eight and a half now. Woo! And it's a situation where I didn't – I gave out a free play on it over at Docs last night on a video that I did going up against a Miami team uh, that turned the ball over five times last week but were able to beat a dreadful Houston team. I just don't know how Jacoby Brissett – is able to beat this Ravens defense up and down the field. I don't think it's going to happen. But, again, I didn't bet it. Just a free play that I gave out nice. over a Doc's an opinion. All right. All right, my man. Appreciate it as always. Look for Scott's picks at DocSports.com. Go ahead and subscribe. They're on fire. And, of course, uh, he gives us his uh, best bets on our website, of course, each and every Friday when we're at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. So he is part of our esteemed crew. We appreciate you, my man. Take care, brother. Thanks. All right. Red Hot Chili Pepper sending you out, Scott. So there you go. I love it. There you go. All right. This one goes out to Sarah. There we go. See? We're sending out requests here today. Shout outs galore. All right. Appreciate Scott Spritzer, Trevor Maddich for joining us today. Don't forget Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas tomorrow from 2 to 4 p.m. Make sure you come on out, see the show live. Uh, Have a lot of fun. Matt Holt will join us. Curtis Terry. 
the former UNLV running Rebel. He will be there with us as we talk some college hoops. And, of course, our best bet segment uh, happening as well. Our three best college plays, three best, N- uh, three best uh, NFL plays as well, all happening tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan. For Numchuck, T.C. Martin saying so long. Have yourself a good one, and we'll catch you tomorrow at 2. Music, the great communicator. Use two sticks to make it.